Welcome to Passion Life Church. Let's dive into this uh, series that we have called The Promise. And uh, if you have your Bibles, turn to Genesis chapter 12, verse 5. I believe God has some great things for us. We're going to be continuing this series uh, throughout the summer. But we just started looking at a man by the name of Abraham. He's mentioned in the Old Testament. He's mentioned in the New Testament. But many people don't really know our connection to our father, Abraham. And, you know, he was an amazing hero of the faith. And I'm going to tell you why. He lived in a wicked time. And to start off, he was really the only righteous man of his time. Uh, I think Lot was a little questionable on that. But he um, really, uh, all the odds seemed to be against Abraham. And yet, as he lived in an evil time, he actually uh, had a lot of promise, problems. But how many of you know God gave him a promise? And so with all that's happening in the world, I think it's so easy to be problem-focused. And yet you and I have a promise. And here's what we learned last week. And I would just encourage you, if you missed last week and you're traveling through the summer, please keep up. Invest in yourself because God has something that he really wants to show us because you and I are connected to our great, great grandfather, Abraham. And as a matter of fact, the Bible tells us that we are supposed to understand that we are cut from the same rock of our father, Abraham. And one of the reasons why we are looking at him today, because I think that it's so relevant. He lived in a wicked time. He lived in unstable times. He lived in times of famine. And yet he didn't just survive. He thrived in his life. And because he realized there was problems, but he also realized that he had a promise. And so you and I, this is great news. We have the same promise promise that Abraham has. Galatians chapter 3 verse 29, if you will allow me to review just for a moment, it says, if you are Christ, how many of you have Jesus Christ on the inside of you? Then you are Christ. It says, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. Wow, that sounds like a great series name, the promise. Say, I am an heir. Come on, say it loud. Say, I am an heir. We are an heir. If Jesus Christ resides in your heart by the power of the Holy Spirit, then guess what? You are an heir of Abraham. You are Abraham's seed and you're an heir according to the promise. And so we asked last week, what is the promise? And I only gave you part of the promise because there's more that we're actually going to give into. But Genesis chapter 12, verse 2 says this, God told Abraham, I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you. Any blessed people in the house today? I will bless you. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and curse those who curse you. Watch this. And all peoples on earth, all the people on earth will be blessed through you. And you and I, as children of God, I want you to wrap your heart around this, your spirit around this. We have the same promise as Abraham did. And we learned last week what Abraham had is ours. But you know what? We have to activate it. How do we activate it? Through faith. And the Bible says that God told Abraham, I will bless you. Everybody say that with me. Say, I am blessed. Come on. Can you say it a little bit louder? Say, I am blessed. 
So last week we talked about activating the promise of God. But today what I want to do is I think as we desire to experience the promise in our lives, it's important to know that God wants you to have a vision of the promise. One of the things and one of the ways that God works in our life is not just speaking to us, but actually God showing us things through dreams and visions. And so I've called today's message seizing what you see. Have you found Genesis chapter 12, verse 5? Here we go. Let's read. It says, Then Abraham took Sarai, his wife, and Lot, his brother's son, and all their possessions that they had gathered, and all the people whom they had acquired in Haran, and they departed to go to the land of Canaan. So they came to the land of Canaan, and Abraham passed through the land to the place of Shechem, as far as the timbereth tree of Moab. And Canaanites, and the Canaanites were in the land, and the Lord appeared to Abraham and said, To your descendants I will give this land. And there he built an altar to the Lord who had appeared to him. And he moved from there to the mountain east of Bethel, and he pitched his tent with Bethel on the west and I on the east. There he built an altar to the Lord and called on the name of the Lord. And so Abraham journeyed, going on still towards south, towards the south. You know, God not only spoke to Abraham through his word, what God did was God showed Abraham a vision of the promise of what he wanted. And I think that's something that's so important that we have to realize how God works in our lives. Obviously, his word, you know, is so important. I was talking to someone that they were telling me that they had a hard time hearing God's word. And here's what I told them. When you can't hear him, read him. If you are hard, have a hard time hearing God's word, read his word because you are going to hear him and it's always going to be in line with God's word. So I love his word. I value God's word. But not only does he want to speak to us, he wants to show us. So he takes Abraham to this land and he shows him all your He says, this is going to be given to your descendants. And so he gives him a vision. And so I remember growing up, you know, it's funny because one of the ways that God speaks to us is through visions and dreams. But I remember when I was little, you know, and my brother George, uh, I mean, we must have been, you know, 11, 12 years old or so. I was the older brother. And man, uh, we really had to use our imagination with stuff. I mean, we, we, we wanted to be superheroes and we would just argue over who would be Batman and who would be Robin. And, and sometimes I would be Robin. And here's what we had to do because we really didn't have any money. We would get one of my dad's old stinky socks. Come on, somebody. And we would poke two holes in it and we would get the black sock and we'd put it on our eyes as a mask and tie it in the back of our head. Then we would get a towel from my mom's towel rack and we would tie it here and I became Robin. Also, now here's what's cool is if I took off the mask, I became Superman because I still had, come on, I still had the cape so I could run through the house and we would use our imagination and we have vision, right? And then we would, we would rest and then my brother had a vision and he would use his imagination that, man, we wanted to be in the NFL. So we didn't have a lot of money, but we had vision. And so what we would do is we would get socks from my dad. This is why my dad was always angry with us. I just figured it out. But we would take his socks and we would put them underneath our shoulders like this, right? As shoulder pads, right? And then we would get a sock and right in the living room, we would tackle each other, knocking over the lamps and everything. And listen, we didn't have any money, but we 
had vision and we had imagination. And I asked myself, what happens to us as we grow up and we mature? We stop living by vision and we start living by mere sight. We start to live by mere sight where people, you hear them say this, well, Pastor Phil, this is just my reality. This is the reality that I'm living in. But you have to understand something about vision. God says it's so important that if you don't have vision, you'll perish. Proverbs 29, 18 says, where there is no vision, the people perish. One translation says this, where there is no redemptive revelation. Everybody say revelation. One of the ways that God can reveal things to you is he shows you through vision. I love the way the message translation translates it. It says this in Proverbs 29, 18, it says, if people can't see what God is doing, they stumble all over themselves. But when they attend to what he reveals, they are most blessed. One translation says this, without a vision, people cast off restraint. And so what does that mean when you cast off restraint? There's no guardrails to your life. If there's no guardrails to your life, then here's what happens. There's no focus to your life. This is why people, I believe, are so tired all the time. They're going in all these different directions because their life is not focused because they don't have a vision. See, once you have a vision, what vision does is vision makes all the details matter. I want to just say a big shout out to all of our production team uh, because they came in yesterday. We had some people who were out on vacation. And so they came in yesterday and they, they set up. Would you give them a good round of applause? Because they, they do a phenomenal job. And, uh, and they come in and they set up. Can I tell you, they don't come in here and set up going, man, I have nothing else to do. So we're going to set up an LED wall. No, you know what? They come up, they come in and they set up and they give of their time because they have a vision, not of lights, not of an LED wall, but of people getting saved and people getting touched by the Holy Spirit. And so what happens is vision makes the details in your life matter. See, I understand the details because the details go along with the greater vision. I'm not just working to work. I'm working towards something. Are you here this morning today? And so it's important because if you don't see what God sees, you can just wander. It, it, you can just wander. Now, I'm going to tell you something. It does not take a spiritual gift to see things as they are. That's what I call mere sight. Let me define that. Just seeing things as they are. I don't know if you've ever heard this quote by a woman. Her name is Helen Keller. She was blind, but she said this. The only thing worse than being blind is having sight with no vision. Sight with no vision. It doesn't take a spiritual gift to say, wow, it's tough out there. Wow, things are really, you know, man, it, it's horrible out there. Yep, that doesn't take any spiritual discernment. But sight is seeing things with your physical eye. Vision is seeing with the eyes of the spirit. And vision is seeing, watch this, what God sees. See, sight sees the problems. But here's what vision does. Vision sees solutions and that we have a promise. Say, I have a promise. Sight sees I have a lot of bills. Vision says my debt is canceled and God supplies all my needs, even though I'm looking at a bill where it has a balance. Sight sees, right? Like Abraham, he looks at the land and it's actually occupied with enemies, but vision, Abraham sees I'm living in that land and that land is mine. That's what vision says, right? But here's the truth. You can have two people looking at the exact same thing and have two different perspectives. Many people right now in this world see problems 
but I see opportunities for God to show himself in his mighty power. We are living in one of the greatest times, I believe, because people are starting to go through lack. I am not about lack. I I believe that poverty, like we said last week, is under the curse. But can I just tell you, when people are lacking, here comes the children of God who are blessed. And we are blessed to be a blessing. So you know why? So we can show God's glory. And I just want to encourage you. I said it last week, and I don't know if you've done it yet. But I want you this week, or as soon as you can, to walk up somebody at Chevron Gas Station or wherever you put your gas, Costco, and I want you to walk up to them and say, hey, listen, I am going to pay for your gas today. Why? Why would you do that? Because I am blessed to be a blessing. Don't worry. The gas is going to cut you off at 100 bucks anyway. So how would you do that? Because we are blessed to be a blessing. Have I done it? Actually, I have done it because it so, feels so good to give. And you know what? God sees it and he will bless you. But my church family, it does not take any type of discernment to just look at mere sight. And you can have two people with mere sight. You can have two people look at the exact same thing and see something different. Do you remember David? David who killed Goliath? Remember David? His dad and his own brothers looked at David and they only saw a shepherd boy. Samuel comes along with a revelation from the Lord, looks at the same kid and said, that's the new king of Israel. See, two people looking at the same thing. One sees a shepherd boy, one sings the next king. Why? One has a revelation of what God wants to do. The other ones are just jealous and didn't care. And they see him with mere sight. People look at this baby that this man and this woman are holding, and they're like, oh, that baby is so cute. Look at this child. Oh, he's so cute. Like, Yeah, he's cute. But Mary and Joseph look at the same child and say, with the revelation that this is the son of the living God. Because of who they, they know. Revelation will change your reality. And if you're taking notes, I want you to write that down. Because revelation will change your reality. Well, Pastor Phil, you just don't understand. This is my reality. Yeah, but you need a revelation. And that revelation will change your reality. Am I preaching too good already? Or do I need to slow down so you can catch up? I'm excited about this because most Christians are trying to live in a reality, but they're not living with revelation. And so if we live with revelation, we'll have a vision of what God sees. And guess what? We're not going to be fearful. We're not going to be anxious because we have a revelation that we have a promise and that we are blessed. And if you believe it, come on, give the Lord a good round of applause. I love the story in 2 Kings. Elisha and his servant were surrounded by their enemies. And Elisha's servant is freaking out because he's looking with mere sight. And he's looking at the enemy. And you know, I love this in 2 Kings six seventeen. It says this, Then Elisha prayed and said, O oh Lord, I pray that you open his eyes that he may see. That's what I've been praying this whole week for us today. That God would open your eyes that he may see. And guess what God did? God God opened the eyes of the servant. And when he opened his eyes, look what the Bible says. And behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. Elisha is looking at the circumstances and he's not worried because Elisha realizes that there are more with him that are against him. But because the, the servant is only looking with mere sight, he sees that there are more against him that are with him. But the Bible says that when God is for you, who can be against you? But see, that's a revelation that 
needs to come into your reality to make it different. Can I hear a good amen today? And I pray that God would open up your eyes for you to see, number one, that you are blessed and you are a child of the promise, that you aren't just a child of, of grandma, tata, or titi, or whatever you call her. Listen, but you are cut from the same rock of Abraham, our father of faith. Can I hear a good amen today? Through the eyes of vision, we see what God sees. And when we talk about seizing what God wants you to see or seizing what we, what we see, many people don't even realize that you're actually doing that right now. Many people don't even realize that you're taking a hold of what you see. But unfortunately, most people's life is, I wake up or I try to wake up. Hit the snooze a couple times, try, wake up, go to work, pay bills. Oh, may have a vision of a day off. Oh, a great vision. Maybe we can take a vacation this year, right? And then that's your life. And you know why that's your life? Because that's all you see. So you're seizing what you see. And I just, I want to encourage you to say, life is more than just working and paying bills and hoping for a day off. Life is supposed to be the blessed life. Can I hear a good amen today? Come on, can I hear a better amen today? And the problem with this mindset is I get up, I go to work, I pay my bills, maybe a day off. It's actually a small mindset. It's a very small mindset, right? This is why a lot of people are exhausted. They're bored with their own life. They're having little or no impact, right? And there's really no fulfillment because the center of their vision is themselves. So then we complain about a world we're supposed to change. Now, I'm going to tell you something today. It's very easy in Marietta to live with a small town mentality because Marietta has 113,000 population, possibly growing. Temecula has 113,000 population. And then here comes Menifee. Woohoo! 90,000, 95,000. Come on, Menifee. Here comes Menifee, right? 95,000. Then you have Wild Omar. We have Wildemar, right? And you have uh, 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 Lake Elsinore there. And it's real easy to think, well, you know, and we like this. I liked it. It's a fall, it's a small town feel. If I want to go to San Diego for a day, it's awesome. If I want to go to LA, it'll take four hours to get there, but I'll, I'll make it in one day. You know, I, we'll, 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 we'll get there eventually at some point. Maybe I'll just take a flight from San Diego to Los <laughs> Los Angeles might be cheaper in gas. I don't know. And I'll save some time. But we like the small town feel. I like it too. But can I just tell you with a small town feel can call can come a small mindset where you just think it's about going to work, paying your bills, and maybe one day sitting out in your backyard and look at the sun. My church family, to be honest with you, there is about 400,000 people within a 20 mile radius of where we are at today. And so it would be nice if we could just say, I'm in a small town. I'm going to have a small mindset. But unfortunately, that's not what the Bible tells us and how to live because the Bible says that you and I are supposed to go into all the world and preach the gospel. The world is a big place, but it starts with your world. It starts with your sphere of influence. Can I hear a good amen today? Come on, can I hear a better amen today? 
This small mindset would be fine if the Bible didn't say you were blessed to be a blessing. If the Bible just said you were to be blessed, then that would be okay. Bless me, bless me, bless me, bless me. But that's not what it says. It says you are blessed to be a blessing. And he told Abraham that all the nations of the world will be blessed through you. So in you is going to be a legacy no matter where you live, whether you live in a small town, we serve a big God, a big God. But I think one of the mindsets that comes is because the Bible talks about narrow is the gate and narrow is the way. Can I tell you why the gate is narrow? And can I tell you why the road is narrow? The road is narrow because there's only one way to get into that gate. And that's his name is Jesus Christ. Jesus is the way, the truth and the life. So the, the, the gate is narrow because there's only one way to get in. But watch this. Once that gate's opens, it opens to a beautiful, big life. Jesus said in John 10, 10, I have come that you may have life and life very small. No. What does he say? Life abundantly. One translation says life to the full. So I walk into the gate, which is Jesus, which is narrow because he is the way, the truth and the life. But when I get through that gate, he has a big world for me to win. He has blessing and he wants me to be a blessing. Are you still here this morning? And so we can live with a small mindset. And yet the Bible says that we are supposed to go into all the world and preach the gospel. But my church family, we need to start right here with Marietta. I'm not talking about booking a flight and going out to London. I'm not talking about that. I'm just talking about you having a mindset that we are blessed to be a blessing and a vision of yourself making a difference. I want to park right here for just a moment because you know what? You don't even have to get on an airplane and book yourself a a a, a flight to to London. I was talking with one of our our um, team members and they said, I liked the message the other day so much. Listen, 30 seconds. I went to YouTube and I shared and I copied the link and I sent it via text to a friend that was in London, England. Listen, you can win the world easy today. Evangelism has never been so simple. It's right at the tip of your thumb if you will just share. Why can't we begin to think that we are a blessing and we begin to think that we are here to make a difference? You know why? Because we're stuck in self. We're stuck in just, I need to survive. We're stuck in, I just need to be blessed. Well, you know what? You are blessed, but now you've got to be a blessing. Why can't we, when we're talking to friends and they're talking and they're saying, hey, you know, I'm having some problems with our kid. Hey, you know what? Our pastor just did an amazing message on parenting in our Family Matters series. I just thought I'd send it to you to bless it to you. What does that take? But see, so many times we're just so involved with self, but I want to break that mindset today and get you to start, think, start thinking bigger in your world that you are a catalyst of change. You are a world changer and a world shaker. You are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the earth and you are blessed to be a blessing. Can I hear a good amen today? I don't know if you know this, but this makes me passionate. Because this is actually the reason why we exist. We're the salt of the earth. This is our purpose. And how do you know when God gives you a vision? Can I just break this down? See, remember, God initiated this promise. And he gave this vision to Abraham. But let me just give you four ways you know that it's a vision from God. Number one, the vision is always bigger than you. God doesn't just give you a vision for you. It gives you a vision to impact others. Watch this. Abraham thought small. Abraham thought, I just want a son. 
God said, I want you to be the father of nations. You know, I've been calling him Abraham this whole time, but actually when we've read the scriptures, his name so far has been Abram. Why? Because God changed his name. Abraham wanted one son. His name Abraham means exalted father. But when God got through him, he changed his name to father of multitudes. And you need to start to see yourself as a person of influence. I've shared this statistic before, but it said the shyest person on the planet will influence 10,000 people in their lifetime. The shyest person. What kind of influence are you having? God wants to use you to help people get to heaven. Can I hear a good amen today? With Passion Life Church in Marietta, we want to make it hard for people to go to hell. We need to reach people. Do we even care if our neighbor goes to hell? My neighbor smokes marijuana every single day. I know, because I smell it. Remember I told you I'm going to start a a whole new ministry called The Word is Better Than Weed. Remember I, I told you? If you can smoke weed every day, you can get in the Word, and the Word is better than weed. Some of you don't believe that. Some of you still think weed is better. I didn't get any amens on that. So, okay, definitely need to start this ministry. You know, they, they need Jesus. I'm learning their names. How many of you know you can't win your neighbor if you don't know their names? Right? Right? And I don't want her to go to hell, even though she smells like she probably will because there's so much smoke coming out of that house. But we're living in a time where there's people who need Jesus. We're living in a time, my church family, where people need somebody to proclaim to them the gospel. You know, this week, I got a notification that one of my friends who I went to high school with uh, had three kids, just went through a divorce, uh, was going through depression, and he just committed suicide this week. Last night, I was in an establishment, and I came out of the establishment. It was about 10.15, and right on the picnic tables, right on the picnic tables in our community, there was two people, and one of them was selling drugs to the next person, and the other person literally was shooting up, was tying their, I mean, I I was just, I almost, I almost fell back because, but I'm just telling you this because there's a reminder to us that the people that you know, you don't know what they're going through. You don't know what they need. And I'm going to say this, we are blessed to be a blessing. And God is calling us to think bigger and to start reaching more people. Can I hear a good amen today? So the vision is always bigger than you. Number two, it's so big, God has to bring the provision for it to happen. When we started this church and had a vision of this church, we knew it was going to take about 60 to $70,000 to buy the equipment, to buy the things that we need. How many of you know my church family? Ministry requires money. But money will always follow ministry. Do you know that everything that we do here at church costs? You know, it costs us right now just to be online. We have to pay a technology company to split our signal, to go to Facebook and YouTube and all of these different things. It costs to rent this, but that's okay because God always provides provision for the vision. But I want you to know, if you can do the vision by yourself, then you don't need God. So it's not his vision. God is never going to give you a vision that he doesn't or is not a part of. He's never going to give you a life that he's not a part. He always wants you to have a life with him in it. We always used to say in Bible college, if it's his will, it's his bill. Where God leads, he feeds. Come on, somebody. Can you hear a good amen today? Can you say a good amen? But now this doesn't always happen, right? Quick. We have to have patience and you have the fruit of the spirit, but God will give you a big vision 
and he'll provide that provision. Number three, God's vision always has eternal value. I don't, I don't know why we don't understand this, and I think that that's why God is having me spend so much time on it. You're not taking anything with you to heaven. The only thing you're taking with you are the people that you shared the gospel with. That's it. As a matter of fact, the Bible says in our judgment, our judgment is not you're going to hell. If you're uh, if you're a Christian man and you're saved and you're born again, you're going to heaven. But our judgment is a judgment of rewards. But the Bible says that there's going to be a huge fire. And the Bible talks about all the wood, hay and stubble, the stuff that we were in that didn't matter. It's all going to be burnt up and everything else that we did for the Lord. That's what's going to matter. My church family, that's what we have to be focused on. We have to be driven by eternity and people are hurting today. And here sits the remnant. Here sits the salt. Can I hear a good amen today? But God's vision will live beyond you. Here's number four. And I, I love this one because God has already in, injected into you or invested into you the gift to do this vision. He's already given you that. And whatever God's called you to do, he's equipped you to do. And as we just come to a close here and the, the time that I have left over, I just want to give you three ways that we seize what we see. Can I ask you a question? What do you see for your life? What do you see? Do you see more of the same? That's what you'll see. That's what you'll seize. More of the same. What do you see for your life? Do you see yourself blessed? Do you see and can you see yourself blessing other people? Can you see yourself making a difference? Can you see yourself walking in the anointing of God and praying for people? The Bible says these signs will follow them that believe. That we will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. Do you see yourself being mightily used by God? What do you see? But if we're going to seize what we see, let me give you three things real quick. Number one, we have to come into agreement with God. Everybody say agreement. Say it really loud. Say agreement. You know, we talked about last week activating the promise of God. So we activate it, right? We accept it by faith. But agreement means this. Now I come into the same opinion of. I'm of the same opinion as God. Now, how do I know that Abraham came into the agreement of what God said? Can I just tell you? Because there was action. You know, when we read this, I don't know if you caught this, but this really touched me. We actually read it, but I'm going to read it again. Genesis chapter 12, verse 7. It says, Then the Lord appeared to Abraham and said to your descendants, I will give you this land. And look what Abraham does. And there he built an altar. There he built an altar to the Lord who appeared to him. So watch this. God just finished talking. Abraham, I'm going to give you this land, and this is where your descendants are going to be. And Abraham, as soon as God finishes, he starts building an altar. You know, you may not understand what altars are all about, but Abraham built a lot of altars to God. It symbolized communion with God. It symbolized sacrifice. And also, altars were built as a memorial, and they were left there as a reminder of what God had done. And I just, I, I, when I read this, I got so convicted, my church family, when I read this, because God's not even finished talking. He's like, okay, at the period, Abraham starts to go to work. His obedience is, is just incredible. So here's the reality. We know that Abraham was in agreement because there was action because he started to build an altar. But 
let me just tell you this. I want to go deeper. How many of you want to go a little bit deeper? Because this really changed me. This is how our father, our great, great grandfather, Father Abraham was such a hero. Watch this. Altars represent worship. Altars represent worship. Why? Oftentimes there was sacrifice. They had to give of their own, their own uh, farm animals in, in this sacrifice. And <laughs> it just so takes me by, by surprise at his obedience because God speaks to Abraham and says, I'm going to give you this land. And Abraham's looking at it and there's still Canaanites in it. But watch this. God speaks a word and it hasn't even manifested yet. And Abraham's already worshiping. Watch, Abraham worshipped like the word had already come to pass. Abraham's posture was this. God finished speaking, Abraham's. It wasn't like this. Now we'll see. I'll worship when the word comes to pass. Then I'll give God the glory. Abraham worshipped as if the word had already come to pass because here's Abraham's attitude. If God said it, I will see it. Oh, sight doesn't look like it. Look, you see the Canaanites? They're still there. But you know what? If God said it, I will see it. So I'm going to worship because of the word. I'm going to, are you ready? I'm excited. I'm going to worship because of the revelation. I'm going to wor- not worship because of my reality. Because I see the Canaanites. I see the enemies. But you know what? That's not why I'm going to worship. I'm going to worship because even though in my reality, I have a revelation. Are you ready? Because we're going to go a little bit deeper. Because if you will worship with the revelation you have, your revelation will come become your reality. It's amazing. He's building. I got so convicted because sometimes we're waiting for things to line up and then we'll worship. We're waiting for the promise to come to pass and then we'll worship. And you need to worship when the promise comes to pass. But Abraham shows us I'm going to have faith and I'm going to worship as if the word has already come to pass. Because we know Jeremiah chapter one, verse 12, it says, I will watch over my word to perform it. One translation says God is actively watching over his word to perform it. And Abraham worshipped like the word had already come to pass. But see, if you don't have a revelation, you're just going to live by your reality. And I'm going to tell you, if you live by just your reality and mere sight, it's dark. It's lonely. It really is. Are you learning something today? You know, I was thinking about Paul and Silas. They were in chains. Paul and Silas did nothing wrong. They were preaching the word of God. And they were in chains. And they began to sing. You are the same God. The Bible says that in their chains, and they were in the inner prison. A lot of times in the inner prison, there was sewage. It was horrible. And they were shackled, bound with chains. And they began to worship as though they were free people. And the Bible says, when I read this stuff, and I I read it this week, again, I just get so convicted because I feel like we get so lackadaisical about worship. But watch this. The Bible says, as they worship, the whole place was shaking. Watch. And their chains came off. Their chains came off when they worshiped. 
as free people. Can I just say it this way? That they worshiped like blessed people, even though they were bound. They had chains on the outside, but they had freedom on the inside. They were bound in sight, but in vision, they were blessed. And when they begin to pronounce and they begin to sing, all right, here we go. Are you ready? I just, it just gets me excited because not only, and this would be a cool miracle, the shackles fall off and they walk out the door. But that's not what the Bible says. The Bible didn't say that the miracle was just for them. The Bible says that when they begin to worship, not only did their chains break from them, watch this, every door was open. Every door was open. Every door was open. And every chain was broken. Not only were the chains broken for Paul and Silas, the chains were broken for other prisoners that were there. So when they worshiped and they began to worship as free people, right, as blessed people, They weren't bound anymore. But our worship doesn't just affect us. Our first worship can affect the person that is bound sitting for uh, seats from me. I can worship God and I can be free, but it's not just about me being free and me being blessed. It's also about the person there. Their worship affected not only the prisoners, but the Bible says that the guard gave his heart to Jesus, he went home and his whole family got saved because Paul and Silas began to worship as blessed people even though they were bound. My church family, if we could get a hold of this, and may I, with all humility in my heart, and I'm very passionate today, I hope you understand that, and, and, but I don't apologize because you walked in here and knew the name of the church. We could have we, we named it Dead Life Church, but we named it Passion Life Church. If the church could get a hold of the fact that we need to be in worship together, not just for us, you don't know what the person sitting in your row today is going through. And you don't understand, we don't understand that my worship is not just for me. But my worship can affect the person on my row who in many cases, and we've seen it here at Passion Life Church, even just a month and a half ago, talked to a gentleman who was thinking and contemplating about taking his life. He was in this room. And you know what we do as Christians? We don't know if we're going to church today. I don't know what's going on. You know what? I just don't feel like it. You know, I'm just a little bit tired. I don't know. Listen, my church family, service starts at 10 o'clock with worship. You need to be in worship. Can I hear a good amen today? You need to be in a corporate setting. Well, Pastor Philly and I just, I just kind of privately worship. That's good. I privately worship every day. But you know what? Paul and Silas didn't sing in their head. Paul and Silas, the Bible said, it was heard by the other prisoners. Can I hear a good amen today? So my worship doesn't just affect me. It affects the other people. We need to be in worship, not just for ourselves. We need to be in worship because of the power that can happen in a corporate setting for other people. Can I hear a good amen today? And I'm going to go one step further. We have to understand that we are blessed to be a blessing. It just baffles me when I hear people say, well, you know, I know he's teaching on parenting and, you know, me and my wife, we're just, we're just newly married and, you know, we're, we're just don't have kids. So we're probably not going to go. Yeah. That's the mentality of selfish people. That's the mentality of just bless me. I'm here for my word. 
But when you realize that you're blessed to be a blessing, does it really matter what I'm teaching up here? If it, well, you know, I just need my word and I need my, how about you show up to be a blessing to other people? Whether this specific is specific to you. Well, you know, I'm single. He's talking about marriage today. Well, good. Why don't you show up and bless people? Why don't you show up and have a generous heart and say, I'm going to greet people. Listen, you don't need a title of, of, of greeter to love and, and, and greet people. You already have the title of Christian and they're supposed to know us by our love. When I first got saved, I didn't go to church to get something. It was just interesting. I went to church because I wanted the people that were coming to church to know the same God that affected my life. And so I was in the worship team. And after the worship team, they didn't have, you know, what volunteers in the kids ministry. So after I would go and I would volunteer in the kids ministry, man, I just wanted people to know Jesus. And today we are in a time where Christians are about me, 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 me. And you don't realize that you're called to change the very world that you're complaining about. And you have what it takes. And I just want to remind our church that if we can get a revelation of worshiping, we worship as though the word has already come to pass and that our worship isn't just about me. It's about what can happen in this room. Now, I want to say it one more time. I'm not against private worship, but the Bible says don't neglect coming together. And you know what? We need to come together. Why? Not just for us, but for other people. Can I hear a good amen? Can I hear a better amen than that? Can we give the Lord a good round of applause? Last two. We come in agreement with God. Worship is a visible sign of faith. It's an action. Audible worship. Not just singing in your head. Pastor Phil, I don't have that great of a voice. It doesn't matter. You begin to speak what's in your heart. That's why those words sometimes can frustrate you because it's talking about victory when you're not feeling victory, but you need to worship as it already as it already happened. Here's the second one. We can't settle if we're going to seize what we see. I'm going to finish in the next two minutes here, but I just want to tell you what Abraham had to do. The Bible said Abraham had to come out from his family. Abraham lost his brother. He died. Uh, Abraham's father, Terah, was a person who worshiped idols. He didn't worship God. Abraham was alone, but you know what? He followed God. But here's the reality. Abraham's father set out for Canaan as well. But Abraham's father, Abraham's brother, was named Haran. Terah's son, Haran, had died. And I don't want to minimize that because it's tough. It's hard. If you've ever lost somebody, it's very, very tough. You need to be hurt. You need to be healed of the hurt. And God will do that. But unfortunately, Terah didn't look to God. He worshiped idols. But what's interesting to me is that Terah actually died in the same city as the name of his son, Haran. This tells me he never got over the grief. In my church family, with the power of God and with the Holy Spirit as your comforter, you can move forward and you can be comforted. But you're going to have to make a decision whether you're going to settle. And if you're going to settle... Just because someone else hurt you, someone else had passed away, you can let that grief kill you too. Can I hear a good amen today? And Abraham had to make a decision to get out when his own family settled. And it's a tough thing, but it takes faith. But here's what I want to tell you. Every time God calls you out from something, he calls you to something that's better than the something that you left. 
Because yes, as though it's hard, I don't want to minimize that. It's hard to leave your father. But when you have nations that are going to come from you and you're going to be the father of many nations, listen, you may have to leave people in your life that are settling. And some of those people may be your family. You know, they complain about you, you know, not wanting to come to church, all of these things. And they talk to you. I'm just going to tell you, I know that's hard. But if you stay there, you'll settle and you'll never seize what you see because you settled. And the Bible says that Terah not only stopped, he settled and then he died. And Abraham said, I'm not going to settle and he moved on. And here's the last one for today. Number three, if you're going to seize what you see, we need to speak it before we see it. I love that not only did Abraham build an altar, but the Bible says that Abraham just started crying out to the Lord. But the Bible talks about in reference to Abraham, your words matter. Romans chapter four, verse 17, as it is written, I have made you the father of many nations. He's talking to Abraham. He was appointed our father in the sight of God in whom he believed, who gives life to the dead, watch this, and speaks of those non-existent things he has foretold and promised as if they already existed. So my worship, I need to worship as if the word has already come to pass, but my words need to speak as if the words have already come to pass. So I need to speak what the word says. So my words need to be in line with the words. You can speak what you feel. That's probably not going to have faith and it will not activate anything. Or you can speak God's word and speak in faith and change your atmosphere. Listen, my church family, God's word in your mouth is as powerful as God's word in his mouth. I want to say that again. When he spoke this in power, if you will take this and declare this over your life, you will seize what you see, but you'll have to speak it. And you're going to say it right now. Say, I am blessed. Come on, would you stand with me and give the Lord a good round of applause for his word? Say, I am blessed. I want you to bow your heads for just a moment. Without a vision, people perish. You need to have a vision for your business. You need to have a vision for your family. Let me say it this way. You need to have a revelation. We do. Our family does. We know what we're about. We know what we want and what God wants to see in our family. But with every head bowed and every eye closed, you may say, Pastor Phil, I, I don't want to perish. I we, that's the cool thing. When God gives us his word, he doesn't want you to perish either. So he's going to give you a vision. But here's what happens. If you'll spend some time with him. See, Abraham talked to God. Abraham was a friend of God. Abraham had a close relationship with God. And here's what I'm praying, that God will make clear to you the vision that he has for you. Every head bowed and every eye closed. Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord, we know what the vision is for this church, a church that knows how to worship, a church that knows how to reach the lost, a church that is not just blessed and a bless me club, but a church that is reaching people. One of the best ways we can reach people is by coming to the house of God every Sunday, coming to the house of God. We can do it together. We're more powerful together. We can invite people. That's the vision of this house. We want to see people transformed. We thank you, Lord, that you're making the vision of this house even clearer to us. 
But right now, I want to pray for people right now who are stuck. I want to pray for people right now who are depressed. I want to pray for people right now who feel like they have just settled in life. And I pray, Lord, that you would open up their eyes and speak to them in the night season, that you would show them a vision of who they are and what you want to do in their life. Father, give them a vision of their future, Lord, so they can wake up in the morning with passion and with love. Father God, wanting to live the life, the big life that you have for us. Father God, I pray right now. And Lord, I come against everything that is blocking them. I speak in the name of Jesus that no weapon that is formed against your people shall prosper. Everything that is trying to block these blessings in their life, we command them to be loosed in the name of Jesus, Lord. We thank you that even right now we may feel bound, but we worship as blessed people. We speak as blessed people until our reality catches up with our revelation. Father, and I speak that over your people, that they are blessed, that they are the head and not the tail, that they are above only and not beneath, Father, that they are blessed in the city and that they are blessed in the field. And we thank you, Father, in the name of Jesus. Come on, if you receive that, would you give the Lord a good round of applause? And I just want to say one more prayer if you'll bow your heads today. You know, we never know who's watching. We never know who's sitting in those seats. And I want to give you the opportunity to become a seed of Abraham, to become a child of the living God. We never like to close out a a service without giving you the opportunity to know Jesus as your Lord and Savior. That's how you get to heaven, by your faith in Jesus Christ. Not by your works, but by his grace. That you believe that what Jesus did on the cross, he died for you and your sin. If you've never invited Jesus on the inside of your heart to come and be a part of your life. If you've never repented of your sin and say, God, forgive me of my sin. I want you to be a part of my life. Do it today. And I want you to pray with me. Would you repeat after me, whether you're watching online or here in person, would you say this? Would you say, Father God, thank you for sending your son, Jesus, to die on the cross for me. Father God, I repent. And I thank you that I am forgiven. Come inside my heart today and live through me. And by the power of the Holy Spirit, I'm going to live for you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening today. We hope that you were encouraged and uplifted by today's message. For more information about Passion Life Church, visit us online at passionlifechurch.com.